So, and uh, Sam and Nick, help me. So to make it easier for Sunday school ages six uh, and above, I need to give this out now to Sunday school ages six and above. So I need a coffee. So just Sunday school ages six and above. So it doesn't mean that the parents cannot look at it or look through it or help out with it. So what happened is um, uh, Fola uh, took my message and then put the outline so that the kids can follow and they can answer as they go along if they want to. They should want to because you, might, you are likely to be asked in Sunday school what was taught. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> yeah, so, so Sola, Fola did this for me about, I believe, around 11 or 10 last night. So she, she put the handouts to make it simple. So that will, hopefully that makes it easier for you to follow. Uh, more importantly, make sure you put the scripture verses. And if the parents feel that uh, we didn't get it all, we need your PowerPoint, just let me know. I'll send it to you. Because I believe the gospel should be understood so that we can leave it out. So let's pray. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you because he lives. He's the living hope that we have. I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that your spirit will guide my words. That first and foremost, they will bring glory to your son. And that it will be a blessing to all of us. I ask that, Father, you will lead and direct, and then you will cause the word to go forth in power. We thank you because we serve a living Savior. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title, it's a, the practical meaning of Christ's resurrection. What does it mean? in a practical sense. And um, happy Easter to all of you. That's a song. I'm going to skip it because we sing it. But I'm going to read this scripture because this is Easter scripture. There are some passages you should read. There's blessing in reading the word of God. He is risen. Now on the Sabbath as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, 
and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus made them saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So let's begin here. We'll read a few more, and I will come to you. You will answer some questions, and then we'll proceed. The greatest miracle that Jesus performed while he was on earth is his resurrection. That's the greatest miracle that he performed. He not only rose from the dead, but he raised himself from the dead while dead. That is a tremendous miracle. Human beings cannot even talk about rising themselves from the dead as an act before they die, but Jesus said this many times, and he, he made sure that he followed up with it. And as you can see, Because this happened, those who were posted as guards by the high priest and the Sanhedrin to make sure that he doesn't resurrect, went back and told them that he has risen. And then they said, well, this is what they are supposed to say. His disciples came and stole him while we slept. It's ridiculous to say such a thing because these were professional soldiers trained to kill. So the question we can ask typically is, if they came and stole him, how did they do it? These were men that were shaking, afraid when the Lord died. So it's not something that happened. It was a make-up story in order to ensure 
that the story or the event of the resurrection is uh, distorted. So, but this is the greatest miracle, and I want to focus on this this morning. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean? That's, my, that's the essence of what I want to say this morning. So another resurrection scripture. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is John the apostle in Revelation chapter 1. But he laid his hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. That's a tremendous statement from Jesus when John saw him on the island of Patmos. I am he that was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Another resurrection scripture. See, it's good to read the word of God and make it, you know, your part of your being because God's word is food, is life. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 58 tells this, Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. He's talking to believers and he's telling us what the future looks like. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The we there is believers. It's important to know that. We shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption. And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in view of this, because of this, my beloved brothers and sisters, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is for believers, and it's an encouragement for us to abound in the work of the Lord. That change is coming. We are going to live with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Right, so I've read three scriptures, and now it's a question for you. I'm, I'm going to get to my message, so don't worry that... Why does he have this question? He doesn't have, I have it, so don't worry. So I have a question. The prominent rich and powerful man that is mentioned in the four Gospels, name the prominent rich and powerful man. The Gospel, for example, doesn't have the name of all the disciples in all four Gospels. But one man is mentioned in all four Gospels. Who was this? Joseph of Arimathea. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's mentioned in Ma uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. 
I'm not sure if it's mentioned in John. It's possible that he is. Yeah? Of course, Jesus is powerful and rich. It's mentioned in all four Gospels. It's all about him. That's, the, that's an obvious answer. <laughs> Pontius, this is true. Pontius, my lady, is mentioned in all four Gospels, but that's not the man I had in, man, in mind. <laughs> all right, so it seems like the options could get many. Uh, so let me give you the one I have in mind so that we can move on. Oh, yeah, it's Joseph Arimathea. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of Simon of Cyrene when you say Joseph Arimathea. <laughs> you were right, Brian. So the speaker ought to be taken out and whipped. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is Joseph Arimathea. You got it right. And that's why we need you for youth group. <laughs> Yeah, so it is Joseph Arimathea. This is a prominent, rich, and powerful man that was a member of the Sanhedrin. In other words, he was part of the ruling council that sentenced and ensured that Jesus was executed. But he's mentioned in all four Gospels. Those are the references. Why is he discussed in all four Gospels? should be obvious. So, you can't get this wrong. We have the name now. We need to know why. He paid for the burial of Jesus. We need to modify that slightly. He paid for it in a way. Yeah, he took permission to go and bury Jesus. He actually donated his tomb. A rich man's tomb that was donated. Is the owner of the tomb where Jesus was buried. And we have the story of the empty tomb after the resurrection. So I'm pretty sure with all the theories that go around on the fact that Jesus did not rise, it would have been easy to talk to Joseph and say, what's going on? What's happening, Joseph? He was a prominent man well-known, and we have no record that he denied that Jesus was not buried in his tomb or that his tomb was not empty. We have no record of that. So, but I don't want to dwell on that. Let's move on. Name the people that were raised from the dead in the Old Testament. This is a Bible chapel. All the people, the Bible has records of all the people that were raised from the dead in the Old Testament. What's that? Uh, the widow's son. The widow's son. That would be, yes, by Elijah. Remember him? Yes. Elijah stretched and then raised the widow's son. Any more? Who's that? That was Elisha. Elisha, okay, I think that's where Sam is going. So Elisha was buried. And then they put somebody in his grave and the guy woke up. <laughs> so we have that record as well in the Old Testament. 
It's there. Anymore? Yeah? What? In the old. We are coming to the new. We are coming to the new. The Old Testament. The Old Testament. Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones. Can these bones live? Was there a person? I'm just not sure, but I understand the story. It is close. I'm going to put on the answers so that we can move on. Elijah raised the Shemanite woman's son in First Kings. That's the one that we are missing. At least three of them. That's, that's all I could find, three. I am pretty sure that if this was a Nigerian church where we want to raise the dead, everybody will be talking about Elisha and Elijah and all that the miracles that they did. The Old Testament has a record of at least 4,000 years. And only three people are recorded to have been raised. Only three. If we were thinking of engineering, the return period, that's when this event happened, it will be at least over a thousand years. Once every over a thousand years that it happens. So it's a rare event. It's not something that happens every day. Let's get to the New Testament. So, now we are in the New Testament. Name the people that were raised. <laughs> My son. <laughs> Lazarus. Yes, Lazarus was raised. All right, any other? Jesus was raised. This is true. Let's say, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter and Dorcas, right? The woman that was very kind, Tabitha. Jairus' daughter. Eutychus, the guy that was snoring while the preaching was going on. He fell down and then broke his head. So don't sleep while the, <laughs> while the preaching is going on. Yep. Who else? Or the woman of Nain that was carrying her son for burial. Remember her? So Jesus raised somebody that just died. That's the Jairus' daughter. He raised somebody that was carried for burial. That's his son of the widow of Nain. And he raised somebody that was buried. The day Jesus died, a lot of saints were raised. And that. I think, I think we've covered all of them. What's that? Peter? Healed, 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 yes. Okay. So those are the names. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, widow of the son of name, Lazarus, and after Jesus' resurrection, many saints who fell asleep. It was after the resurrection that they were raised. And then Dorcas and Eutychus. So don't sleep. So what is common to all these people that were raised from the dead? <laughs> it seems obvious that they died again. They must have died again. 
So death is a powerful enemy. You can't escape. They all died again. We have no record that any of them is still alive. Even though they were raised, and when we get excited that they were raised, but ultimately, they died again. Now, I wasn't so sure what happened to these ones, so all I did was to go to the scripture and say, let's read the scripture as it says. This is what it said. Matthew 27, 50 to 53. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Also the tomb were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tomb after its resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what happened after that. And so we are not in the business of speculating. But if they're not around right now, and we have no record of them talking about themselves, we have to assume that they died again. Okay. So, um, notice. Let me go back a little bit because I want to make a point. Three people in the entire 4,000 years record were raised. In Jesus' three years ministry, just three years ministry, three were raised. Many were raised after he resurrected. And even Peter and Paul raised people. This is within a 200, let's, I'm trying to be generous, time frame. All because of Christ. The Lord Jesus, and we need to take resurrection very seriously because it is the most important event, I believe, that has happened apart from the creation, but I believe it's the most important event. So the ways in which Jesus rising from the dead is different from all the others. This is a question for you, and the answers can be varied. So... Think about it and tell me how it is different. He didn't die again. Death has no more dominion over him. He lives by the power of an endless life. Even while we are speaking today, he's alive. That's a wonderful thing. What? He resurrected himself. He, he, he came out of the grave on his own. All the previous ones there was always a human agent, a prophet or somebody that God used. But Jesus rose from the grave by himself. Any more? He foretold his death. This is, this, is, this is interesting. People don't talk about the fact that they will die and rise again. We have no record of people talking like that. But he did. And at least we have nine records in the Gospels that he said this will happen and it happened. Any more? It was torturous. There was what? It was torturous. It was torturous. 
Sorry, I didn't hear that. Compared to the other death, it was torturous. Yes. And that's why when you hear about the soon theory, the soon theory, I don't know if you've heard that, that said he didn't really die after all that beating. They just put him in a cool tomb. And when they left, he came out. It's a popular theory among those that don't want to believe the scriptures. And as one man of God was saying, if, the soon, if, the, if, the, if, a, if a cool tomb will do for you what it did for Jesus, lead me to that cool tomb so that at least I can be buried there and then come out. Because when he arose, he passed through doors and did many things. He was tortured to the point of exhaustion, yet he rose from the dead. He died for all. I have a listing there. I'm sure it's not complete that I put there. Spoke about his resurrection several times before it happened. Raised himself white, dead, dead. Possessed resurrection body different from others. Others died again. Dead has no more dominion over him. He lives by the power of an endless life. Lifted to heaven in bodily form after his resurrection. It brings endless benefits to humankind and answers life questions on sin, death, the grave, and life after death. It means he has answers, not speculation. People speculate, oh, when you die, nothing happens. It's a speculation because they haven't died and come back to tell us. So he answers all those questions. All right. The resurrection of Jesus. What are the benefits? Now you can... I'm going to list about five or six, but there is more. And I'm going to focus on mostly one book of scripture, the book of Romans. Okay? The resurrection of Jesus Christ says that Jesus is God. That's what it says. So you want to know God? You want to know Jesus? The resurrection means that he is God. It also says that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That's what the resurrection says. And it's also the one that sanctifies. That's what the resurrection says. It says we have an intercessor, somebody that represents us in heaven right now. And it says that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That's what the resurrection says. All of those are found in the book of Romans. It also says that Jesus Christ is the judge of the world. We find that in Acts. And it's... And it also says, that last one I didn't say, I have to, that the believer has a glorious future. That's what it says. Okay, so, at my...
manner of life is, let's read the scriptures. I've listed the points, and I want us to read the scriptures. Resurrection means that Jesus Christ is God. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared, declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are, call, are the called of Jesus Christ. So the resurrection makes a declaration, if you like, that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's read this translation, which I think is probably easier because of the children. I put the NLT as well. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown, he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how do we know that Jesus Christ is God? The resurrection. No other human being can do what he did. That's what that scripture is saying. He was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. So, that's the first point. The resurrection makes a bold statement. He is God. You know, and I want to move on. Oh, let me stay there a little bit. If we were to read this, uh, this passage more, you will find out that verse 1 says, the gospel of God there. And if you flip down and then read to verse 9, it will say the gospel of Christ. So, if the gospel is the gospel of God, and that same gospel is the gospel of Christ. Simple algebra will say, things that are equal are equal to the same thing. So the gospel of Christ, we can substitute the gospel of God with it. That means that Christ is God. I want to emphasize that, and it is declared by the resurrection. Point number two. The resurrection also means that the Lord Jesus is the Savior. There is no other Savior. 
There is no other salvation in any other. Now, Romans chapter 4, 23 to 25. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe that it was talking about righteousness. In him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. We need to be saved from sin and we need a savior. Only one man could do that. Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I put an easier translation because I knew I'm going to have the children here. It was recorded for our benefits too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous, count us as righteous. If we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins. Why did Jesus die? Because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. So justification is defined there to make us right. So I had a few questions for me. What is justification? I'm sure John Wells has been doing an excellent job on this, on Romans. Is the act of God whereby he reckons or counts it for a believing sinner righteous, a sinner that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. God gives you righteousness because you believe. That's what justification is. So why did Jesus die? He died because of our sins. Why was he raised? Now I want to explain this a little bit. Hopefully, why was he raised? For our justification. So that we might be right with God. Or let's put it a little bit differently. When Jesus died, he paid the price for our sins. And to make sure that we are aware that God has accepted that price, he rose him from the dead. So the way to look at it is this. If I go to a store to buy something and I pay for it, pay it completely, even though it's weird these days, normally what they give you is your receipt. It's only nowadays they say, do you want your receipt? And I don't understand that. You know, yes, I want my receipt if I've paid for the stuff. So the, re the resurrection is God's receipt that says the price has been fully so I have accepted his sacrifice on the cross so how do we know that we are justified that we have righteousness with God when we believe the resurrection that's how we know he raised him from the dead for our justification let's move on time so the resurrection means that Jesus Christ is God that's the first point the resurrection means that Jesus Christ is the Savior. 
When a sinner comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he's a sinner and that Jesus died for his sins and then put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God says, justified, righteous in Christ. You stand justified, not because of what you've done, but because you believed in him that died. And how do we know? The resurrection says that. It says something else. It also says that Jesus Christ is the sanctifier. It gives us the power to live above sin. A risen Savior has the ability to give us the ability to live above sin. Therefore, in Romans 4 verse 6, or 6 4, therefore we're buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk. Walk in newness of life. Sanctification, walking in newness of life. Let's read this translation. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory, glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The power to live a righteous life is available because we have a living Savior. So the Christian life is not imitation but incarnation. Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth is me. It doesn't mean that the Lord Jesus will bypass you. No. It means that when you wake up in the morning, you can say, Lord, I yield my will, my mind. I yield my life to you. Take it and help me to walk in holiness. So leaning on him to be able to live the Christian life. So Galatians 2 verse 20. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. A dead savior will not live in you. By his spirit, he lives in you and he can give you the ability to live above sin. To live without sin when you depend on him. So the resurrection says that Jesus is God. It also says that Jesus is the savior and Jesus is the sanctifier. We live dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't live life outside of the Lord. What else are they said? See, I put that there to make sure that I repeat it over and over again. The kids are filling their hand out, so, and I don't want them to forget. So, the resurrection says that Jesus is God, is the Savior, and is the sanctifier. Let's move on. What else does he say? Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is he who condemns? There are lots of people that can condemn. I'm sure sometimes when you look at your Christian friends, you say, huh, if that's what a Christian is like, I don't know what's going on. So a lot of people can condemn. In fact, the devil makes this his full-time business, condemning believers. It is Christ who died, and furthermore, is also reason who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us 
The Lord Jesus prays for us or pleads for us or represents us before God. He does this in two ways, at least two ways. He's a high priest and he's an advocate. As a high priest, we can go to him and ask for grace. And as an advocate, when we fall short, we can confess and he represents us. So let's move on because I'm looking at my time there and I want to finish. I want to finish on time. The resurrection also means that Jesus is Lord of all. So in Romans chapter 14, there was a division in the church, some sort of division. And what was happening is this. The weak Christian was busy, you know, judging the strong Christian. And the strong Christian was busy condemning or criticizing the weak Christian. And so there was division. And Paul said, wait a minute, stop the judgment. Listen. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So Jesus is Lord of all, whether you have died or you are living. The Lord Jesus is Lord of all. He died and rose again. Why? So that he might be Lord of all. And it's important that he becomes the Lord of our lives. That he takes charge of our lives. And if the Lord Jesus is the Lord of your life, you probably don't have time sitting down and judging other people. But you probably be saying, Lord, what will you have me do? And let him take charge. He needs to be the Lord of our minds so that we can reflect and have the mind of Christ. He needs to be the Lord of our tongues so that our words will be a defined word, the words of Christ, the words that build up people. He needs to be the Lord of our feet so that we can share the good news of Christ. And he needs to be the Lord of our eyes so that when we behold things, we only see the glory of Christ and things that glorify Christ. And he needs to be the Lord of our ears so that we can hear his words and our heart so that we can show the love of Christ. The resurrection declares that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So, let's recap. For the believer, the resurrection says that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the Savior, is the sanctifier, the intercessor and Lord of all. Now, we have to have a word for those who don't believe. Because the resurrection also speaks to those who don't believe. In Acts chapter 17, it so happens that the Sunday school class is studying this passage. And they were reading it last week. Paul is in Athens and he meets philosophers, uh, uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, and he, he's talking with them. And I find, it, I find it fascinating that he says they spend their time learning new ideas. That's what the scripture says. Read it for yourself, Acts chapter 17. And so Paul reasoned with them and spoke with them because 
you know, their main task in life was to spend new, uh, learn new ideas. And then he came to the point where he said, God made us. We are his offspring. We shouldn't be worshiping all these idols that you have. And then he kept going. And then he comes to verse 30, the conclusion of his message. He said, truly these times of ignorance, God overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Let's read it in a simpler version. God overlooks people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere. I know if you are a child, and then we read the New King James, we said all men. <sighs> it doesn't apply to me. Men, they generic. Everyone, everywhere. Commands all men or everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a date for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Now I want you to notice something. God is issuing a command. It's not an appeal. It's not a suggestion. It's a command to everyone. And the command is you need to repent. Repent from what? The sin of not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent. Why? Because God in his own calendar has set a date. And he has also appointed the judge. So we have a date and we have the judge and it's going to happen. How do we know that this is going to happen? He has given assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. The resurrection says you need to repent because a day is coming when you will be judged for your sins if you do not accept Jesus as your savior. That's the message of the resurrection to the non-believers. You need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are wrapping up, and it's 12.30, at least according to that clock. I don't know if it's fast. Sometimes they make it fast to trick the preachers. <laughs> the resurrection says that Jesus Christ is God. It also says that he is the savior. And it says that he's the sanctifier, the intercessor, Lord of all, and judge of the world. I didn't put up the last one. The believer has a glorious future. We did this, 1 Peter chapter 1, a while back. All right. I have two stories, and then we wrap up. Two stories. Hopefully I can remember the stories. So there was a young boy. So I want you to pay attention. There was a young boy who was sitting in a wagon that was attached to a horse, you know. 
what do they call that? Just, he was sitting in the wagon attached to a horse. And just, just relaxing, just having fun. And then somebody showed up there and then kind of smacked the horse. And the horse took off with the young boy. So, and then a man came and then realized that, oh, this boy is going to die. So he managed to run and gallop down and managed to stop the horse. And then he saved the life of the young boy. Years later, this boy became a criminal. And it was arranged. You know, they brought him to the court. And then he, he realized that the judge is also the man that rescued him. So, so once he was tried and then found guilty, and he was about to be sentenced, the, boy, the man, the young boy that became a man, that became a criminal, said, no, 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 you can't do this. May I say something? You are the man that saved my life. You can't send me to prison. You saved my life. You rescued me. You are the man. You can't do this. And then the judge looked at him. He said, son, then I was your savior. Today, I am the judge. Guilty. A lot of people have the idea that Jesus is just the savior. But the resurrection makes it clear that God has commanded everybody, everywhere, to repent. The date is set, the judge is set. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to repent and make him the Lord of your life. One more story. Hopefully I remember this story. This one was a Connie, is it Connie, you know, crafty lady. So let's say, the other one was a man, criminal. Now, crafty lady, who was sentenced, you know, to prison, live imprisonment. You know, she was sentenced again to go to prison. She had escaped many times committing criminal stuff, but this time around it was live in prison that she was sentenced to. And then she, was, she said, you can't do that, and I'm going to make sure I escape. So she was planning her escape. And on her way to the escape route, he saw that a man was uh, kind of digging the grave, putting things down and then putting the dirt. And then he later discovered that this man is the one that takes out uh, dead prisoners and buried them. So while, he was in, while she was in prison, she spoke with him. She said, you have to make sure that you take me out of this place. The man said, I can't do that. I can't do that. She said, I can see that you're having eye trouble and you can't see and you don't have money for that cataract surgery and I'm rich, I'm going to pay for it, but you have to make sure you get me out. So the man said, all right. So they agreed. So usually what happens when somebody passes, I think they ring a bell in the prison and then you know that one of the prisoners has died and the man had the place where he was making the coffin and then putting the prison and rolling them out 
in the basement. So they arrange that the next turn of event will be the time when she, when that bell rings, she will go downstairs, he will put her in the coffin, close the door, roll her, or close the latch, roll her out, and then once they are out there, she can escape. So she was waiting for this to happen, and so the next time the bell rang, she said, this is my chance to escape from this prison. So she went down there, and then opened the latch, it was dimly lit, opened the latch, you know, lay, you know, lay down, beside the fell the body, but lay down, then closed it tight, and then, of course, they came in, and then they rolled out the coffin with her inside, right under. She was excited. Finally, I'm escaping. So they took her down. The grave was dug, put her down, and then they poured dirt. She was hoping, you know, when it's dark, he will come and then remove the dirt, get her out. So she waited the first day. Nothing happened. She waited the second day. She was, now she's beginning to panic. What's going on? She's six feet under, still alive with death. Nothing happened. So she decided to, you know, lit the torchlight that she had to see what is going on. And lo and behold, the person that she was lying beside was the man that was supposed to take her out. He was dead. He, had, he was powerless. Couldn't do anything for her. The person she put her hope in was subject to death like every other person. And you can imagine the end of the story. A lot of people put their hope and faith in philosophers, in uh, people with great ideas, in rich men, in great politicians, but they're all subject to death. None of them can overcome death. And that's why the Lord Jesus is unique. And we need to make sure we are putting our foundation on the one who can carry us beyond. So I hope you have put your faith in him and that you are trusting him as your savior. The resurrection says that Jesus is God. It also says that he's the savior, the sanctifier, the intercessor, and Lord of all, and the judge of all the earth. If you are a believer, you have a glorious future because you are in the hand of he that lives forever. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for your word. I just pray that you help us to rejoice in the fact that we have a living Savior. The one that can take care of all of our needs now and beyond. Help us, Lord, to exalt him and to rejoice in him. And for those that don't know him, to trust in him. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, happy.